I have my orders, too, sir. They don't include me abandoning my post. I understand that, but this changes things. I don't see that it does, sir. The chief of staff for the United States Army says it does. Hey, hi, hello, how are you? And welcome back to Watch It Again, the podcast where we go through 101 movies to see before you die. Or recently, just something that's either directed by Steven Spielberg or starring Tom Hanks, because that seems to be all we ever do. As <laughs> always, I'm your host, Jacob, and with me are... I'm Kat. And I'm Nick. And this week, we will be talking about Saving Private Ryan from 1998, directed by Steven Spielberg, and you guessed it, starring Tom Hanks. I was going through today, like, making the notes for this while watching it, and I had the thought, like, we really do. It's There's a lot of Spielberg in here, it feels like, and a lot of Tom Hanks. Is that I think it was after thing? we finished recording last week. Yeah. Not not necessarily, but um, last week we were like, oh, I wonder what actor's on the list most. That's right, yeah. The director is 100% Spielberg, just, like, looking at it now, yep. like, it's mostly Spielberg, and... A lot of, like, it's either Tom Hanks or Harrison Ford as, like, the top actor on here. Or yeah, Matt Damon. Def- yeah, or Matt Damon. Or Matt Who's Damon, yeah. Also in this? <laughs> yeah. It's not until the yes. third act starts. <laughs> this has or such a good start? cast, though. No, not at the start. It's a different actor. <sighs> See. Gotcha. I, I was, like, going through the IMDb and I couldn't find who it was. And I was He's- like... There is no chance that is Matt Damon in old man no, makeup like twenty is... years ago. Um, I did. It's the one person I didn't write down. Hopefully, it's like John Damon, his dad, or something, because they look identical. <laughs> it is Har- an actor named Harrison Young. There you go. Ah. So, this movie has quite an extensive cast list. Um. Tom Hanks, Tom Sizemore, Edward Burns, Barry Pepper, Adam Goldberg, Vin Diesel, Giovanni um, Rabisi, Jeremy Davis, Matt Damon, Ted Danson, Paul Giamatti, Dennis Farina, and Max Martini. Um, This is kind of a who's who of American dudes in the 90s, isn't it? Pretty much. Nathan. Was it Nathan Fillion as well? I was was going to come to that. There's also a couple uh, of other people that pop up for, you know, a minute or two throughout the film, which does include Nathan Fillion and Brian Cranston. Mm. Um, so this movie has been labelled as the most historically accurate depiction of World War Two that's ever been committed to film. And it's really easy to see why Stephen Burr... Stephen... Jesus. <laughs> just <laughs> saving time now. Converging yeah, two just, names. Just abbreviating Stephen Spielberg into that one name. Jeez. Um, really did his research into this and obviously years earlier made the movie we discussed in the previous episode, which is um, Schindler's List. So it follows the story, essentially, what starts off with Operation Overlord, um, or D-Day, June 6th, 1994, and the Allied invasion of Normandy, where 300,000 Allied troops um, landed on French beaches in order to 
begin their campaign of retaking the European mainland off Nazi Germany. Um, during the shoot, they used a thousand actors, and by actors I mean Irish Army reservists, the same extras that were used for um, Braveheart. Oh, that's interesting. So they're the same dudes. Um, yeah, it took 12... The beach opening scene cost $12 million, which is out of a 70-odd million dollar budget. So it was quite a considerable amount, but it was every cent's worth it, really. Like, it is the most brutal, upsetting, and like just graphic depiction. And everyone that lived through it that saw this movie said that's exactly what it was like like survivors of d-day said that's what they went through imagine oh, watching this i couldn't yeah you're a survivor, i would i know i i like i don't want to say kill myself but fuck like, it would on it would definitely like, bring back imagine traumatic imagine reliving yeah. that there goes a car um <laughs> this whole in your room? No, just outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is a car. In my, I live in a highway. Um, not really. Um, yeah, so the movie follows Captain um, Miller, Tom Hanks, as he leads his squad on a mission through German-occupied France to save Matt Damon's Private Ryan, who has was a um, paratrooper who's landed behind enemy lines but they've been asked to enact the sole survivor policy so pretty much as soon as the invasion of Normandy ends in this film or like kind of the initial attack on the beach and they get a stronghold that's kind of where the truth sort of ends so the rest of the plot is essentially fiction the battle at the end around the bridge never happened. Um, all the characters are fabricated and the events are kind of fabricated, but it is sort of based on a real event. So, um, a few years previously when the battle in the Pacific started in World War Two, the USS Juno was attacked and sunk with all 600 sailors on board perishing. This included five brothers, all from the Sutherland, the Sub, Sullivan family. So all five boys from the one family were on the same ship and perished together. So the U.S. military enacted a policy called the sole survivor policy, meaning that all members of the same family could not serve in the same regiment or in the same vessel. So that if they were killed in action, there would be a sole survivor in the family. So Private Ryan's three brothers are killed in the days and or leading up to the events and he becomes the sole survivor. So they are tasked with going behind enemy lines and finding him to bring him home so he can return to the United States and return to his family. And there's that's kind of been the one criticism of this film is that 
yes, the sole survivor policy exists, but no way would a mission like this have ever been approved. No way. And, and, they, and like, especially by army com- the mm. army commanding officer. And I think, too, like, it's just reiterated throughout the movie by yeah. the people in the squad who obviously disagree with yeah. their mission. That, like, why would they waste three or two men's lives for this one guy? Exactly. Yeah, I was kind of waiting for the twist of, like, I know of there being some, like, nefarious reason behind them going after specifically him. Wait, was this the first time you'd ever watched this? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I didn't even realise. Um. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I told my dad yeah, I was no. watching this, and he was like, get ready for a brutal first 20 minutes. But right, he well, said it's one of his favourite movies. Like, it's such a good yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I completely forgot. And I remember you guys telling me last week that neither of you had seen it. But it completely slipped my mind until just then. And I just assumed, yeah, you guys were like me and had seen it before. Um, well, there you yeah. go. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just rambling along and just thinking, oh, yeah, these guys know exactly what I'm talking about in every way. But that you guys have only seen it once. So. Wow. I'm learning things. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> the squad consists of what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight members. All but two end up killed in action by the end of the film. So, again, yeah, it kind of raises the question were the lives of six men really worth saving one? Like, what about, yeah, you know, what about their families that they don't get to go back to because. They risk their lives to save the life of one man, so he could go back to his. Yeah, and I think if you if you really think about it that much, it just kind of would ruin it. Yeah, sort of. Exactly. You just go, yeah. Wait. Why? Why? Like that. That's why I was kind of waiting for a reason as to why yeah. him specifically. But and it, I guess the the military just had a, a a change of heart or like a I don't know. I think. Um, the screenwriter Robert um, Rodat was from. I was watching a documentary on it, and um, oh, I'm just gonna find it. Hold on. What the guy's name was? Um, um. Yeah, so um, there's a real life. St- so I, there is a real life story, somewhat based upon that this movie is based upon, in regards to the sole survivor um, policy, and that is of the Nyland brothers. So Edward Preston, Robert, and Frederick, who were from New York. Um, the middle two brothers, Preston and Robert, had enlisted prior to the beginning of the war. And after America entered the war, the eldest Edward and youngest Frederick, known as Fritz, to his friends, joined up in November of 1942. Um, because of the tragedy of what I've just mentioned of the Southern Brothers aboard the USS um, Juno earlier that year, the brothers were split up and sent to different units around the army. Edward became an enlisted pilot with the rank of technical sergeant on a bomber, flying in um, the Burma-India-China theatre. Um, Preston was commissioned into the infantry and assigned to C Company, 
of the 22nd Infantry Regiment, um, 4th Infantry Division, which is mentioned in the film. And then Roberts and Fritz both became paratroopers, served with D Company in the 505th Parachute Infantry Regiment, 82nd Airborne Division. Um, so, Edward was shot down somewhere over Burma and was listed as missing in action. Um, in the early hours of D-Day, Robert and Fritz joined the Allied paratroopers in cracking Fortress Europe. Although Fritz's unit, 3rd Battalion, was supposed to be the division reserve, um, they were put in. Um, elsewhere, Robert had landed outside somewhere. So, es essentially, it was assumed that three of them were dead. So one was missing in action in Burma. Um, Robert was killed in action in German gunfire. And Preston led his men onto Utah Beach in Normandy and was also killed. So the last remaining brother was... made his way into a town. Like, he w did land behind enemy lines and... There was no mission to go and rescue him. He just met up with his squad and then his commanding officer was informed and he was taken back home where he was reunited with his family. A couple of years later when the war ended, um, the Edward, who was the bomber pilot in Burma that was shot down, was found in a prisoner of war camp. So after them enacting the sole survivor policy and bringing him home, they then found years later that this, there was a second brother alive. So we're presuming they only had one child at the end of the war. They got a second one back as well. And upon reading this story is what inspired Robert Rodat to write Saving Private Ryan. So, yeah, that it is somewhat based on a true story. But... Again, the actual events of the film are obviously not real. Right. Um, yeah, so I guess I can throw over to both of you, and I kind of want to get opinions on what you guys thought about it. Um, well, honestly, I loved it. I think it is a absolutely phenomenal movie. Um, like it even though the first 15 minutes would obviously minimise your um, I guess audience or like at least divide your audience on whether like who was going to watch it or whatever it it's just so encapsulating and just draws you in instantly and it's like you're in there in the fighting almost like obviously nothing I have ever experienced would compare to being in something as horrific as that but it is so much like you are just there in the action like sitting there like I was just sitting there with my fists clenched like holy shit what is happening it's just horrific but amazing to view I guess 
Yeah, um, I, I, I love this so much, but holy shit, I was just, like, I, I feel like, I, I'll admit I'm, like, super desensitized to violence now, yeah. but holy shit, this is, like, I was still, like, just the more, it was more the, um, the lack of, um, oh, not, what's the word, not mercy, like, um, I know, just the brutality of it, and just, like, the, Oh, I forget the word. The um, ah, oh, sounds so dumb. Um, just the lack of like, I know. Yeah, mercy. I get. We'll say mercy, but like, just how, like, brutal it was almost, the deaths are in this. I yeah. just. It was almost like robotic. Like you didn't see the Germans or whoever was firing on them as other people they were like they were literally the enemy and you had to kill them at all cost they weren't another person it's it's funny you say that yeah I, I like that at the start like you'd never really see their faces till like much later in the movie yeah but it's it's also kind of funny about that because we kind of know that they're the Nazis they're the Germans they're the bad guys so I think even if you saw their faces, there's obviously a moral bias to, against them that us watching it are kind of, we don't go, oh my God, he's dead. It's more like good. Cause yeah. You know, in, you know, it's bad saying that, but also it's like Nazi Germany, like, and that brings, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because there's two Czechoslovakian soldiers that pop up in the battle and they the, they come out of a trench with their hands up kind of screaming out and there's no subtitles and two American soldiers shoot them and then one of them kind of makes fun of them and like, oh look I dressed up for you know so, like like a mock translation of what they were saying but the thing mm. is, if you actually translate what they said, they're saying, don't shoot, don't shoot, I didn't kill anyone, we're not German, we're Czechoslovakian. Oh, so really? during the war, a bunch of Czechoslovakian soldiers were um, conscripted into the German army against their will from concentration camps and forced to fight for Germany or be killed. I did not and have their family. And have their families killed. So these two soldiers would have been involved in the D-Day defence, but wouldn't have been... They would have done their very best not to be firing, not to actually be killing anyone. So they were genuinely surrendering because they do not want to be part of the German army because they're not German. And these two American soldiers are like, oh, they're German, just kill them. But they are, in fact, actually... Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, it's just a whole like, and it's just to have that in there. If you translate it, they are saying, you know, don't shoot, don't shoot. We're not German. That's so yeah, interesting. It, I like, yeah, and it kind of puts into that. Yeah, it's just, and that's kind of like the first like German soldiers you properly see are those two guys, <laughs> and they just get shot straight away. But they're like the first faces you see. It's tragic. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, you guys might have noticed this film has a really odd aesthetic to it. 
You guys like notice when watching this, there's like this weird kind of lens distortions and colours and stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so cinematographer Janis Kaminski um, removed the covering from the front of the lenses, which gives you that weird light distortion you get throughout the whole film. But he also put the film through a secondary process to remove most of the colour from a lot of the scenes. So it really desaturates it all. And it gives out that really desolate feel that this whole movie has. And I think it really adds to it because it kind of as the movie goes on, you kind of get a bit more colour through it. Yeah. But in the Battle like of the Normandy. Fields and stuff. Yeah. But in the Battle of Normandy at the start, it is such a desolate desperate situation like there is it's almost at a point of being grayscale like every, all the colors are really dull but it, the red in the blood is really vibrant oh like, when that like red shoreline washes up it's just, yeah oh. and they had thousands of liters of fake blood to create that like so much like there was so much almost everything in this is done practically in camera and they would like the shoot for the beach was set up over. It took four weeks, and it was pretty much just done in chronological order of them moving up the beach. Well, yeah, Spielberg didn't have like a storyboard mm. or anything for it. No, he just wanted to be there and feel it and see what would yeah. look good. And that's why some of the shots are kind of just reaction to the action rather than sort of like a planned, just stagnant shot. Yeah. Cinematographers is climbing around in the set, getting different shots of the same thing happening, you know. But the what they did is because obviously, it's like, there's a lot of people get shot in this film, and obviously, when you are filming something, you have fake guns with blank, or you have guns with blanks, and squibs, and the squibs give you the bloody explosion or like the little pop from where someone gets shot. In this, they used a really good technique and the, the trigger on the gun sent a direct signal to the squib at a delayed appropriate time for distance. So when someone lifted their gun to shoot someone and pulled the trigger, the trigger would fire the blank and then trigger the s- squib in the actor that's getting shot. So there was no, oh, he's shot, I've got to fire the squib. The trigger of the gun would initiate the squib to explode. That's really huh. interesting. And it was, so, you know, if someone was 10 feet away and got shot, when they pulled the trigger, it would account for a bullet travelling 10 feet. So it wouldn't go off as, it would go off quicker than someone that was 30 feet away getting shot when the triggers pulled. Like, it, they, they did, the calculation was there for distance from when that gun was shot to make it as real as possible. So you're getting someone actually fire a blank very cool. and then a squib going off to make it look as if the person's actually getting shot because essentially they are. Hmm. Which, you know, it's this little technical things that like kind of make this so real and so, good. So good. Well, like talking about techniques, I guess, like a practical mm. effect like so many practical effects were used in that first scene of like storming the beach 
like guys with their literal guts hanging out and like legs blown off just like looking at themselves like what's even happened um but spielberg hired a whole host of actual amputees to play yeah those people which i think is great it makes it it easier than trying to remove limbs with cg yeah exactly it would have taken so much more effort yeah and i think recently there's been like in movies now there's definitely been a resurgence with um special effects rather than with computer generated effects yeah like yeah. people really want to do as many things in camera as possible and then just touch it up i think yeah, it can... definitely contributes to the movie in yeah. a positive light and like with this you've got like actual tanks driving around and smashing through walls and you've got you know these people actually doing all these things and rather than kind of just like a CGI wall or, you know, that you get in major kind of blockbusters recently. And yeah, exactly. speaking, speaking of walls, there's a great scene where they're in a town and they sit down to rest and um, one of the characters sits down on this kind of pile of rubble and it knocks this wooden pole. And it hits a brick wall and the brick wall collapse and there's just a whole German oh like God. command centre on the other side of the I, wall. And the standoff is like, oh about shit. Had a heart attack. <laughs> I, when just, that wall knocked down, it oh mate. <laughs> uh just dread. Pure dread. Yeah, yeah, I suppose because of but then I was nice and surprised when Ted Danson showed up. I was like, oh my god. Danson saved That's the day. Like one person I did not expect. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, for you guys, like, there would have been so many twists and turns and you wouldn't have known who was going to die and who wasn't going to die. And I well, I knew Tom Hanks died. Like, I'd seen the shot of him, like, shooting at the yeah. tank. But, like, otherwise, yeah, pretty much everything was a surprise. There you go. Kat, were you surprised by anyone's deaths or method of death? Um, not surprised by Tom Hanks at no. all. Because, like... He's the main character in a war movie. Of course, he's gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you, okay. Do you have a favorite death? Because I I do. There's oh, one that's yes. just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Oh, okay. Well, my favorite death is actually the death of a German, um, mm. and it was actually based on a real incident. It is when, so, um, Private Capazzo has just died. And they're trying to get the sniper who's just got him. So the um, American sniper has set up shop and he sees, like, the glint yep. from the scope of the yep. um, German sniper's gun and he shoots him through the scope into his eye and kills him. Yeah. But... And that was phenomenal. <laughs> that is that is the death immediately after <laughs> my favourite yeah. death, which is the death of Vin Diesel's character. <laughs> I did not realise it was Vin Diesel. <laughs> a very young Vin Diesel who got so paid $100,000 to be in this film. This was like his big break oh, wow. too. Like yeah. Spielberg rewrote that um, that character for him. So he um, proceeds to try and save a child as everyone's yelling at him to give the child back to the family that's kind of on the second floor of a half-demolished building. And in trying to save the child, ends up in the middle of the street and gets shot straight through the chest by a sniper. 
and my it's kind of my favorite because it's like just don't stand in the middle of the street dude like what are you doing that's just weird seeing vin diesel play a character who just doesn't shake off getting yeah. shot like it's a minor inconvenience like he gets yeah. shot and then he just <laughs> dies just, like, a really flex. painful and like what yeah doesn't flex his <laughs> yeah, wound he's shot like, oh, i'm all right it's got shot through the chest i'm fine <laughs> but it's also such an emotional moment uh, for the rest of the squad yeah because they're kind of watching him die and they can't help him so it's pouring yeah. with rain you can see there's this big pool of blood forming and they're obviously waiting for the sniper to be taken out, so they're kind of just stuck watching their comrade. And it's kind of it's the first real one of them. I'm pretty sure he's the first one to die. Yeah. Of yeah, the squad. And it's kind of like, yeah, look, no one is safe in this. Like, no one's mm-hmm. going home. In like you know, no one's going home. Yeah, it's just well, like, it, 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 yeah. it is a powerful and also because it's like don't stand in the middle of the street. What are you doing? Yeah, clearly. Like, just don't stand there, man. Like, uh. and don't try and rescue really random loved... kids. Like, exactly when when everyone, including your commanding officers, are telling you not to do it. When you've yeah. got a corporal, a sergeant, and your captain yelling at you to put the kid back. Put the kid back, Private. Put the kid back. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I really loved um, Giovanni Rabisi in this. Yeah, he is great. He, he, yeah, he is. Like, I, can't, I, I think I've seen him in anything serious. Like, I've seen him in, like, Friends and Ted yeah. or whatever, but I think this is like, <laughs> the first serious role I've seen him do. And he was so good. Yeah. Like, even his death like this probably wasn't my favorite death but i love that he was like as the medic he's just kind of talking them through it yeah he's kind of talking them through it and he knows he's he's gonna die he knows his liver's been punctured yeah like and he then just asks for morphine so he can die like with less pain i think yeah well i think they gave him an overdose of morphine to kill him yeah well yeah they gave him two shots to kind of null it out but you um Corporal Upham, who's the translator and kind of map reader, who's never really fired a gun, kind of, you kind of, it's between him and Tom Hanks as your kind of point of view characters in this film. They're Mm. kind of your two main, like, that you follow. Yeah. And, like... My, this whole movie, I thought that dude was played by Billy Crudup, but he's not... He's, you know, who he is. He's the dude from, um, like, you remember the Elseworlds crossover for like Arrow and all that. Yeah, yeah. He's like the scientist in that, like the bad guy. Is he? Yeah. Hang on, Edward. Yeah, Burns? I like googled him after, but yeah. Edward Burns. Oh pff, yeah, fuck if I know. Yeah, no sorry. It's, yeah, Private Raven, Edward Burns. I'm pretty sure is who. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, and he kind of like, yeah, he's kind of yeah. like, what do we oh. do? What do we do? Talk us through it. And he's like, I just want morphine. And everyone's like, oh fuck. Oh, yeah, this first swear word of the like, first f word of the pod episode. <laughs> I think it's um, so interesting that like they even had a medic with them. Like, mm. obviously, yeah. What's he like? Yeah. 
he if it's just like a minor flesh wound, he could probably stitch them. Hmm. But he like gunshots. If and it's stuff. a minor flesh wound, probably anybody could stitch them up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like in the D-Day scene, I was just like sitting there being like, "Dude, give up!" Like, yeah, like that yeah, guy's arm is literally like even... falling off. Him. No, there's, there's a really yeah no. powerful moment in the D-Day scene where um a medic's treating a guy and they're like they kind of like yeah we got him you know like patch him up and he's like you'll be alright and yeah, he just gets shot fine. in the head it's like we stopped the bleeding yeah, we stopped the bleeding like, boom straight to the helmet he's dead you don't even see blood you yeah. just see like it looks like a dent in the helmet yeah. but you're like oh my god and then it, the, like, the medic's just like for fuck's sake like he's like I stopped the bleeding he just gets shot in the <laughs> head and it's like Ugh! and he's like invisible just like why am I even bothering like he's just like why am I doing this yeah I mean, fair yeah. enough. Like, but I mean, like, yeah, and but I guess um, so medic T four medic Wade, who's Giovanni Rabisi, um, he does kind of come into his own where they meet up with that group of American soldiers that are kind of sitting around, and there is that little like field hospital thing kind of set up, and he does yeah. help a lot there, and they're like. Is that when they're like going through the dog tags? Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. And he's kind of yeah, he is like treating a lot of people. And I guess like he's there because like the medics are kind of there for that situation rather than and making sure that whoever they're out with can get back to that field the field hospitals. Yeah, yeah. Like give them the best chance because you kind of want as many soldiers to live as possible. Hmm. But yeah, um. There's a couple of really powerful, like, emotional scenes throughout this. The first one is when Private Ryan's mother is visited by the priest and the general to inform that three of her sons have been killed. And, like, that car arriving would have been the biggest dread of any mother that had a son in the war. And, like, you know, the car pulls up and then she's kind of, she finds out that three of, not one, but three of her four sons have been killed in action. Is there any even, um, is there any dialogue in that scene at all? No. Yeah, I didn't think yeah. so. No. It's, and, but yet yeah, it is so powerful. Mm. And in that, like, it's kind of this, that, that is... That follows the typing room where we see all the letters getting written and, like, if there's, the, you know, two dozen women in this room typing letters to, inf- you know, they'd be typing a hundred plus letters a day each informing, pe- like, parents that their kids, but their son's been killed in action or missing in action. And it just shows, like, the horribleness, like, you know... 300,000 soldiers invaded at Normandy and I think, I don't know, I think it was like there's a, I can't remember the exact number it was like 40,000 deaths on the first day or something like it was, yeah, like ridiculous amount of people killed just by running and on like, top I didn't even think of the fact that they were drowned from the weight of their yeah felt or the yeah. I know, and that. Like that. Even that was you know, just. Um, kilos upon kilos of stuff. 
Well, even when they were filming, they couldn't have metal um, ammunition because it was too heavy in the water. Yeah. They had to have wooden ammunition. Yeah. So and the, um, the guns in the plastic. <laughs> and the guns in the plastic bags. Yeah. To keep them dry. Otherwise, the gunpowder would have got wet and the gun wouldn't have worked when they got on the beach. But, um. There's one other, there's one broken bit of physics in this movie, and it's just Hollywood being Hollywood. And it's the one, the one inaccuracy that everyone has with the um, invasion, like the beach scenes. When the men are flailing around in the water, they're getting shot, and the bullets are going through them in the water, like deep in the water. Oh, yeah, that doesn't happen. But it's impossible. Like, you can be 10 feet from someone and fire a gun underwater, and it won't make them. And, like, all, like, kind of, like, the people that were there have all said, like, if you dove in the water, that was the only way you were safe from getting shot. Like, if you duck, if you went down mm. in the water, you weren't going to get hit. But as soon as you popped up, you were dead. Whereas, like, in the movie, like, there's people underwater just getting blasted. Yeah, shit, I didn't yeah. know that. Because Myth bullets Busters don't work underwater. Of it. Yeah, bullets do not work underwater. I think like I've seen that too, but just... Yeah. Oh, there you go. So, um, this movie was nominated and won a lot of awards. So, it won the Academy Award for Best Cinematography, Best Director, um, Best Sound mis- Mixing, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound Editing at... Yeah, for the Academy Awards. It won Golden Globes for Best Director, uh, um, Best Picture. Best Motion, yeah. Um, and then it yeah, won Critics' Choice Awards. It won Producers Guild of America Awards. It won Directors Guild of America Awards. It won the Empire Award. It won BAFTAs. It, you know, it won the um, Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Favourite Actor. Because that was a thing in the 90s. <laughs> but yeah, like, it is such an acclaimed... And I guess that's why we're talking about it, because it's an acclaimed movie that everyone talks about. But it really is such... Like, Spielberg in the, went, you know, last week's movie, and then this week... Well, last episode's movie, because we had an issue last week, but we won't go into that now. And then this week, you know, two fantastic and very different portrayals of World War Two. It was very good, I think, to watch Schindler's List and then this yeah. so soon afterwards. Yeah, and like there's five years in between them, yeah. but, you know, Schindler's List is this a p- powerful emotional drama and this is a genuine war movie. Like there's the emotion and the drama in it, but it is so graphically violent it, and it's like tonally so different but you know the emotion is still there but it's a different sort of emotion mm. yeah you know yeah um I've run out of notes oh actually no, I do have one more oh no um so during Operation Overlord which is the name for the um Invasion of Normandy on June 6, 1944. There was a lot of faking because the Germans didn't know where 
the Allied troops were going to land because there's 300,000 people waiting in the United Kingdom to cross the English Channel. And they all thought it was going to be at Calais because that's the closest point between the UK and France. And obviously, uh, and they like the Germans heavily fortified that area. So the Allied troops were like, well, no, we're obviously not going to go there. So they landed down the coast more along a couple of beaches. So the Americans were in charge of U- beaches that were codenamed Utah and Omaha. And this kind of, like this where we get the uh, Omaha beach scenes. The British were in charge of beaches Gold and Sword. And the Canadians landed at Juneau. And then there was British bombing runs either side. And they just, like, it is just the largest single invasion, like, ever. Of any, like, 300,000 troops invading at once from, you know, several different nations. And in order to trick the Germans, near Calais, on, like, across the English Channel in England, they had inflatable cars, inflatable tanks. They set up a whole fake army so that the German planes would think that was what was coming. So the Germans all thought that they were going to come to Calais because they set up these inflated fake tanks and like vehicles and stuff that looked like there was thousands of vehicles ready to be loaded onto the ships to go to Calais but they were further down the coast to come around below. And like there was, and they had fake, they had radio operators employed to send fake messages to fake commanders about it. So the Germans would hear them. And it was all part of having most, and that's the only reason it worked and they succeeded is because the majority of the German forces along the, their like coastal defense were not there. They were further up the coast waiting for the Allied troops and the Allied troops got a strong foothold because they hit one of the least fortified areas because all the German troops had been moved. And once they got that foothold, they could just keep pumping that 300,000 troops in. And then, yeah, just by... So I think it was 12, 12 months later, the war was... They were in Berlin. That's wild. This was... You know, June 6, no 1944. Idea. I'm going to have to go research all this now. Yeah, so yeah, June 6, 1944, the Allied troops land in France. And by 2nd of September the next year, the war was over. That's wild. So they just, yeah, essentially, once they got that stronghold back in Europe, they were able to just march, essentially, to Berlin. And it's only because Hitler decided against a ground invasion of the United Kingdom the year before. And they, th- they, like, they, th- they went against sending ships across to invade UK soil. And decided just to keep bombing instead. I had no idea. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so there you go. I have a bit of trivia for you. Yep. So, 
obviously this movie was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, yep. um, but it lost to, do you know what? No. It lost to Shakespeare in Love. That's disgraceful. And- Oh, that's right. And Ew. one of the, like, pretty much the only reason it lost to Shakespeare in Love, a lot of people have come out and said who are part of the Academy, was because um, Harvey Weinstein developed a new way of marketing his movies. And so Shakespeare in Love um, was one of his movies, and he heavily marketed it in a different way to all the other contenders, and thus won best picture so another reason to hate harvey weinstein (laughs) a lot of um a lot of members of the academy have come out though and said if they could redo it they wouldn't um have voted for that one that's so annoying i would hope so (laughs) yeah there's a bit um, of trivia for you right do you guys want to Tell your three things you either liked or disliked. Yes. Um, performance is always good. Um, I love the brutality, such as the guy running up to the tank to push Dicky Wall oh. and just exploding out of nowhere. <laughs> that was that's so why. brutal, eh? <laughs> that's an example of the merciless kills that just, like... You don't even see anything. He just becomes a little cloud of blood. That dude's hands and feet went in 20 different directions. That that dude's hands and feet became nothing. That was brutal. <laughs> yes. Anything you yes. disliked? Um, I disliked the translator at the end for being a coward. He never redeemed he himself do- in no, my he eyes. he does. He stands up and he, arrests, he kills old mate. Yeah, but I don't know. Just didn't really do oh, it I really for me. Liked, he let I the really guy liked from him. Friends die. Yeah, I really like. He was justified yeah, in his. Was... I think yeah. yeah. And I he feel wasn't like there to kill people. I feel like he's almost the most relatable character for the us oh, yeah, as the audience, the audience because yes, he is the we're audience. not trained soldiers like he wasn't he's never fired no. a gun like he's never yeah, killed he hadn't anyone. fired a gun since basic training or something i hadn't held a gun i don't think he even fired it <laughs> yeah and that was it yeah mm. be, he was there because you know he they had needed to a translator a translator yeah mm. um um but yeah Dislikes, not much else. Cat? Um, well, I really liked that character, um, Corporal Upham, the translator, and his, like, Is overall... It, no, the translator's the other one. I got it wrong before. Um, the translator, I'm pretty sure, is, I think, Private Rayburn? No, that's not him. Is it Jeremy Davies? Yeah, that's him. Corporal Upham. Is it? Yeah, that's the guy. Um, I really liked his character and his overall kind of story arc. Um, As annoying as it was when he just sat on the stairs and cried, I really enjoyed his whole um, story. Um, 
I really enjoyed that sniper shot. <laughs> I thought yes. that was excellent. And it was actually yeah. based on something that happened in real life too. Um, I read something about it. I can't exactly remember, but it's based on a real incident. This is the greatest um, shot of all time. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I really, really enjoyed all the practical effects, especially like the tanks and things. Um, yeah. Spielberg either directly modelled them or. Um, kind of got like ideas and things from tanks and that that were actually used in the war um, and I think he actually used some vehicles that had been used in the war in the movie so I thought that was really um, a really nice touch essentially but yeah I really cannot fault this movie it's incredible and everyone should watch it <laughs> yes um, for me is the my first one actually would be costumes. So I can't remember a name, but the costume designer had to find someone that could make them because obviously there's not thousands of World War Two military, you know, outfits just laying around anywhere. Yeah. So they had to find a company that could make historically ac- historically accurate you know, army officers' uniforms and private uniforms. So they had 3,000 of them made. And then they contacted the original company that made the soldiers' shoes and had 2,000 pairs made by the people that actually... Well, the company that made the shoes for the soldiers during um, World War Two. That's crazy. So that was really cool. And then... Um, second thing is easily just the level of brutality and the practical effects of this. And like what I said before about the squibs with the gun trigger, like the level of detail they went to to make it look as real as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm. Dislike, there's nothing like, I can't fault things. And I think the main thing for me is Tom Hanks' performance of this soldier because he's an English teacher at home. Like, he was an English teacher who became a captain in the US Army and then he obviously has PTSD. Oh, yeah. Well, and he, I'm sure he would have multiple And, like, there's a scene where he just issues. breaks down and cries when he's like squads done around and it's such a powerful like upsetting scene because you can see like he's visibly struggling and his hand is shaking for most of this film and like he's genuinely struggling with what's happening around him and to process what's happening around him but he just has to keep going because he can't afford to let his men down and he like it shows kind of even like mental strength in that character to persevere until the end but like in saying like if like his character made it home for the war he would have been a mess yeah so it's kind of a blessing for him that he was killed yeah like it's a blessing in disguise you know it's probably good that he didn't have to live with what he did for the rest of his life but then you think about Mm. it and in reality so many people had to yeah and it's it's yeah it's just horrors of war um, yeah, so 
that's my thing. Um, hundred percent would watch it again. I think this was the fourth time I've seen it from memory. Fourth or fifth time watching it. Mm-hmm. I reckon. I think I first saw it probably five years ago. Oh yeah. I would definitely rewatch this. Hundred percent. It's just so good. Yeah, the opening scene alone, I would like. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Watch this, even though it's like another three hour. It like it, it doesn't it feel like by, it really. At all. Like, isn't it really no, two hours seven or something? Uh, no, it's like two fifty. Yeah. No. Yeah, because I yeah. messaged you guys and See, gave speak, you a heads up. Speaks wonders to the quality. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. So you didn't leave work, it till like, like oh, no. yeah, two, two hours, hours before recording. Two hours fifty. Bloody hell. Should it feel like that this yeah, afternoon? Yeah. It breezed through. Yeah. Oh well. There you go. Easy peasy. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can move on to what we've been um, watching and what we're excited for. I watched the um, final ever episode or well, episodes of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. So did I. Holy shit. Holy shit, what a waste of eight episodes before those last four. Yeah, like, the, okay, so the last why, four episodes why, are why just... Even, why even bother with yeah, those? Yeah, the, the first four are just trash. Like, the first four episodes of the season, it's just like, don't even bother. <laughs> Thank you, I'm glad. People but, thought I was weird when I was no, saying it at the start. But the last four is genuinely the greatest piece of animation that has ever been released. My only gripe is that we didn't really... Like, this whole season, we spent zero time with Obi-Wan. Very true. And, like, and we didn't really see, like, Yoda or Anakin much at all. And that was kind of... like I was, like, kind of disappointed. But, like, obviously, you kind of, like... There's not a lot you can really do with them. Because, like, the last four episodes run alongside Revenge of the Sith. So you can't really... Yeah. I, I get why they weren't really in it, but yeah. Oh, yeah, it that, kind that of last wasn't scene. their story. <laughs> it was kind of really all about Ahsoka. Ahsoka. And, Which yeah. I'm fine with. I, I, like, I like that character a lot, so it was like kind but of good. This, like, the score, this, the anima- like the actual visuals on screen for those last, like even like mainly the last two from when Order 66 happened until the end. Well, it was yeah. leading up to Order 66 and then, like, everything that happened afterwards, it's so, like, intense. Like, the somber tones and just the darkness that it sets. Yeah. Like, it is genuinely master, like a masterclass in television or yeah. animated television. And, like, that fi- that final uh, episode is just... Star Wars in oh, general. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it shows like the guy well, that writes it, it yeah. who was in charge of Rebels, knows what he's doing and understands Star Wars at every level, and is even on public yeah, record he like he is publicly on record saying that Ryan Johnson didn't understand Star Wars till its core. He didn't do his homework. Yeah, Sam Witwer also said that the dude who plays Darth yeah. Maul saw a video of him today talking about it. Yeah, and. I yeah, I, David I, Filoni? I is that, that his name? Fellini? 
Yeah, Dave yeah, Filoni. Who's yeah. in charge of this? Like, I just want to give the man a hug. Like, this show started <laughs> when I was like a kid, and it was like my favorite thing ever. And yeah. to have that ending now to be able to pre- like have the main saga finished, and then just to have that end, like, I kind of don't want to like say really whatever ha- happens in case people haven't had a chance to watch it yet because I, d- yeah. I don't want to spoil like it's, it's just kind of a shame I, I wish they had been allowed to go the extra mile instead of four make it eight yeah and just add <laughs> revenge of the sith scenes to well, it there, and it kind of in have saying them. that there is someone out there on the internet right now who is currently cutting together <laughs> Revenge of the Sith with the overlapping episodes to make nice. like a three and a half hour long movie. Oh yeah, aren't they adding um, Jedi Fallen Order as well? I don't know. I didn't say that bit, but yeah, no. and they're cutting it all together. I'm like, I really want to cool. watch that because this is so jumping between and it shows like so much background to different scenes in Revenge of the Sith. Like, oh, that was what he was doing when he before he walked into that room. Yeah, yeah, I just love it. And Kat's just gone quiet because she has no idea what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> right, yeah. I do have right, some Star so. Wars. Right, so. I do have some Star Wars news that I'd like to get your opinions on. Is um, it? I know what it is. Taika Watiki is yeah. <laughs> going to direct and co-write a new feature film. That's right. Yeah. See, they didn't they announce on May the fourth, yes. and just no one really. Because everyone what was talking about not, Clone not Wars' kid. ending, but that was kind of like yeah. not important news to everyone else. Because everyone was like, holy shit, yeah. Clone Wars ended in the greatest thing ever. But yeah, no, so, I, I am, yeah, no, I am on board you... for it. Yeah. yeah. I love I his like work. I he'll do it justice. Yeah, I, I really do. I am a big fan of his work and things he's written, produced, and like directed and even like starred in. So like, I am very interested to see. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to see another Tucker Watiti Star Wars character. Yes, absolutely. He's, he was involved. But, like he directed a couple of episodes of Mandalorian that are really good. So, like, I have faith in his ability to direct a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what he'll do. Like, what kind of path it'll go down? Like, I like. I'd love to see him like tackle he'd... Knights of the Old Republic. Okay, that's what I want him to. Yeah, have. I, I think I would rather. I, I I think I would rather see something the scale of like a rogue one or a solo yeah, rather than massive something really force heavy or like but i just love to see him take on a bonkers <laughs> just like the bonkers fall of the old republic and just how absolute yeah. insanity that was yeah i i would like to see some time between episode five and not five um six and seven just yeah. like because I feel that was kind of... There's 30 the years missing. There's 30 that, years yeah, missing there. Yeah. Whatever it is. I, I think that was kind of the yeah. fall of um, the sequel trilogy. Just the fact that we didn't get to see that. It just kind of made everything feel not I think as... the fall of the sequel trilogy is that we don't get really to see anything. We know nothing about that time period. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot like... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It's all there's a lot of show, uh, tell don't show. Yes, I also um watched. So, as most of our listeners would probably know, I do work at a uh, DVD shop, and I was there the other day, and 
for some reason lately, a lot of customers have just been donating DVDs. And like a couple in particular oh. are just donating so many DVDs all the time. And it's like, how, where are these coming from? Like, how do you still have another box? Why, why do you have another box again? Like, what's going on? And we got given this film and it was called Hero. And the cover looked super dodgy. And we, me and my boss were like, yep, all right. And it stars Australia's John Jarrett, who people would know from Wolf Creek and Better Homes and Gardens. Better and, Homes and Gardens. <laughs> I mean, he's in both of them, so... I mean, he's not wrong. Like, what else has Two he Two very yeah. polar opposite viewing experiences. Play, um, and Play School. I think he's pretty sure he's done Play School as well. So, you know, for kids, for families, and soccer murderer in the bush. He can do everything. And in this, we, we decided to watch it because on the back cover it says, set in the picturesque Yarramalong Valley. And for anyone that doesn't know, which is, probably includes you too, Yarramalong Valley is kind of part of the Central Coast and it's about a 25-30 minute drive from where I am. So it's like a pretty local kind of area. And we're like, oh, it's a movie set near us. What yeah. the hell? Like, we'd never heard of it. Anyway, it's got all these like award nominations for short film festivals and I'm like oh and I'm like on the back I'm like oh I think it goes for 13 minutes so I'll just put it on now we'll just watch it starts up first thing in association with Sons of Obi-Wan and we're like what? so this movie is a it's a charity film project that like they pretty much made it to raise money for charity it it's two cops played by John Jarrett and his son and they stumble across a woman in the middle of the road who's all frantically freaking out. And then there's an alien spaceship that's crashed in the woods. And they go and investigate. And there's two dudes there that proceed to then have a lightsaber fight. Because, <laughs> you know, they have a lightsaber fight. And then, and it's not a good one. And then this was clearly made when um, Fox owned Disney. And then, and, uh, sorry, oh yeah. when um, Fox owned Star Wars, and they didn't um, cease and desist. Yeah. And then Ben thing. He uses. I'm not going to say, but he uses. Essentially, he uses the the good the good one the, uses the, the force to talk to the chick that's sitting in the back of the police car to tell her that I he's like I can't beat my brother because he we'll fight till we're equally matched and we'll fight till we die of starvation. This fight will go forever. But you can beat him because he'll underestimate you and that'll be his downfall and you can beat him. And me and my boss are like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> so anyway, old mate does the uh, new Obi-Wan New Hope style and just lets himself get killed. And it's just like, what the hell? So then the cops are like, oh, that guy's dead, huh? Like, they're just so blasé about it. And like, kind of, they just like, go to like arrest him and he kind of force pushes one of them like, oh, let's get out of here. So they run back and get in the car. And as they're getting in the car, the chick gets out and like runs over and picks up the lightsaber and then just starts fighting old mate and then it just ends. And it's like, anyone can be a hero and it's the worst thing I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> and Did I, you recognise any of the scenery? No, it was definitely not filmed in the Aramalong Valley. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, what is this? Too expensive of a location it's for this. The stupidest thing short I've film. ever seen. I mean, good on them for making it for charity and Sons of Obi Wan for getting involved and stuff, but like, fuck, it was shit. <laughs> and the lightsabers for like when they're having a lightsaber fight, 
I literally just like prop lightsabers with like the light on, and then all of a sudden, when it's a close up, it looks like a real lightsaber after like five minutes. And it's like, what's happening? <laughs> so yeah, that was a thing I watched two days ago, and it's oh, it was it's so dumb. It clearly made an impact. Yeah, it, it yeah, really God, made I, an I, impact. I, like it, this, <laughs> my whole brain for like ages after was like, what did I just watch? <laughs> it just, it just oh burnt into my mind of like, what is this? <laughs> so yeah, I watched that. Well. So anyone, um. It's called Hero. It's got John Jarrett. Try and find it on the internet and watch it because I feel like everyone needs to see it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can beat that, but I'll sure try. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. Jacob wins this week. <laughs> I, <laughs> I watched the second season of Afterlife on Netflix. Um, oh, yeah. For those who don't know what it is, it's a... Um, it's the show starring Ricky Gervais where uh, he plays a guy whose wife has died of cancer and it takes place like a, like we assume like a couple months later and he's contemplating suicide and it's hilarious it's probably one of the funniest like shows he has done like ever like probably even better than The Office wow like, I haven't seen all of The Office but it's really really like the, the second season at least is really fun and it's like he kind of like lives in this small town with all these kind of quirky colorful characters that bounce off him while he's like battling his like mental health problems oh yeah um the f- yeah the first season's definitely like a lot darker than the second one but it's still such a fun time and it doesn't really like, it's not a Ricky Gervais thing where his character is just like, ah, I'm, I'm an atheist, I'm so smart, I figured it out, which is something that worries me when I go to into something he makes. But in this, it, like, it's very um, disconnected from Ricky Gervais, the man, which I'm That's good. happy about. Um, I've just sent but, um, you also... Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> watch that after. Oh, I'll definitely watch that. <laughs> um... Otherwise, I think, I don't know, either this week or next week, I want to try and play The Last of Us, because while we're sitting here, I just figured out, well, I just saw an ad, um, the second one comes out, like, at the end of this month, and I've heard, like, good things about The Last of Us for, like, what, since it came out, like, over five years ago. I think I've played ago, that so. before and really liked it. Yeah. I forgot something I've watched. Well, it... it the second one got leaked. Like, this one that's coming out, like, the plot has been leaked, apparently. So yeah. I kind of just... I don't know. And apparently people are giving it shit because it's... Like, they don't like the story or whatever it is. So that makes me want to play it more. So I'll, <laughs> st- I'll stop playing Modern Warfare for a bit and do that. Li- Engage in a nice story. I literally have Modern Warfare open on the TV behind my microphone just waiting to be started. <laughs> Um, I forgot. I watched Birds of Prey. Is it good? Uh, yes. Not last night, the night before. It was fucking what, what trash. Say, Jack, it oh, I hated okay. it. I mean, okay, it's okay. one you, of the better. It this week it's one of and... the better DC ones. But God, I mean, See, it's better I than Su- it's 
at the better time. Than Suicide but also, Squad? That's not that's not saying it's much. not hard. <laughs> saying it's better saying it's one of the better ones isn't really a um high praise at this point. And last night I watched I completely forgot about it. Last night I watched The Dead Don't Die. Which is well, the new zom- the new zombie movie with um Bill oh, Murray and Adam Driver. Yes. It is the oh, greatest so thing. It is so good. And it, yes, it's Bill Murray, Adam Driver, and Tilda Swinton. Everyone just go and watch it. I it's watch so it. good. I love it is so dudes. good. I'm literally gonna buy every second it of it. It's, oh, it's the best. Oh, I loved it. Well, yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll rent it. Cat, you're up. Finally, on to me. Sorry. Um, I oh, sorry, cat. Yeah, yeah. After what twenty minutes? <laughs> I um, watched a bit of a rant about some weird short film that I watched about as long as it went for. So yeah. <laughs> I have been watching Elementary again, um, just because I really enjoy it and it's really easy to watch. Um, and. Westworld, pretty much. I'm waiting for the third season to be fully out before I buy it and watch yeah. it all at once, it's so I don't have to finished, wait. It finished this week? There's Just only waiting. eight episodes on um, Apple TV, though, so I'm going to oh, wait okay, yeah. until they're all released yeah, right. and buy it. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it is yeah, I, finished now. It's run. Yeah, I, I have a VPN, so I'm going to try and get a free trial for hbo go whatever it is and just try and smash out the whole series in a week because mate good luck because those episodes came out the episodes are literally over an hour each so for all of you looking at over a day of watching (laughs) it's on foxtel so i'll just watch it there as crazy, okay, but it's so mate. good. Your bloody, your, your big house and all your foxtel boxes. Hey, right. hey, hey, I don't pay for it. <laughs> well, it's my, my, par- well, yeah, it's my parents. It's all our listeners' um, best friend that does it all. Because half my dad's friends supposedly listen to this. So, hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> but other than that, I haven't been watching much. Just kind of like poking around and doing other things. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to try and read a book this week too. I've got heaps of books on my shelves and I, I, I said at the start of the year, I was going to watch it, read a book a month and I've read zero. Well, you better read five I this finished, month then, eh? I've finished 12 <laughs> books now this year. Ugh, you nerd. I, I've just bought a bo- new book. It's uh, Malcolm Turnbull's new book. And if anyone doesn't know that Malcolm Turnbull is our uh, former prime minister. And I'm really excited to see what dirt he says about the current one. So, oh, yeah. is this the one that got leaked? Yeah. <laughs> Did you get the leaked mm. copy? No, I bought an, a hardback version of the book because oh. I'm a good boy. Oh, big fan. <laughs> Even though I hate the man, but you know that's a different story. <laughs> I just want to read it because I hate people he's talking shit about more. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess um. On that, we can wrap it up. Sounds good. So if all right, um, you want to get in contact? Oh shit! I punched the microphone. Down. Um, <laughs> if you <laughs> want to get in contact, you can reach us at Watch It Again Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, or you can send us an email at Watch It Again Pod at gmail dot com. 
um, leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or iHeartRadio or whatever you are listening to us on. You know, whatever device you like. I just opened the wrong podcast trying to... We are not, thank God, it's Friday. <laughs> no, oh just some free promo there for them. Yeah. You're welcome, ABC. Um, I'm actually going to give a recommendation to a new podcast that has just started. For anyone that's interested, it's called Team Deacons. It um has... It's cinematographer Roger Deakins has started a podcast all about filmmaking. And it's um, actually really interesting. So yeah, Academy Award winning cinematographer who's done things like 1917. Yeah, give it a listen. It's fantastic. You know, obviously listen to us first, but then listen to them. <laughs> if you want to see what oh, experts be, say about them doing things. I'd be upset if they didn't. Yeah, otherwise... Um, for sure. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. We will catch you guys next week. We apologise for um not having an episode last week. It will go down as the lost episode because I had a technical mishap and completely ruined my recording. Um, the other two's recordings were fine, but yeah, I broke mine. So um, we will come back to that mysteriously <laughs> unnamed movie at a later date. But otherwise... Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. And um, as always, I'm Jacob, and with me is... I'm Kat. And as always, I'm Nick. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.